Hello, and welcome to the Spring Office Hours podcast, episode number 46, titled Why Spring Boot. Hello, everyone. My name is Dan Vega, Spring Developer Advocate at VMware, joined as always by my good friend and colleague, Deshaun Carter. Deshaun, how are you doing? Wonderful, wonderful. It's a great time to be a Spring Developer. Now, you say that a lot, um, so I'm just guessing it's always a good time to be a Spring Developer. Or is it just as of late? It just keeps on getting better. <laughs> That's the whole thing. It just keeps on getting better. It's just going That's up this hill and never going down, right? The bottom line is it just keeps on getting better. The, the spring team continues to make our lives easier. That's true. Um, yeah, the spring team and uh, I think the spring ecosystem in general, uh, which is made up of everyone out there, the spring team, um, the Java community, it's a great community to be a part of, and I'm really excited about it. So, Cool. So we have a fun episode today. Uh, again, uh, we are live streaming on YouTube. If you are uh, on YouTube and you're here in the comments, please go ahead and ask your questions. If you have any questions, we'll be sure to try and get to those today. If you are not on YouTube and you are somehow listening to us through audio only, that means you have found our podcast, which is great. Uh, this uh, uh, is available in podcast format on all of the major podcast networks. So thank you for joining us there. Uh, we will do our best to explain to you anything that you're missing here on the live stream. So um, what's been going on in your world lately, Deshaun? Lots of engagement with customers. I've been spending a lot of time with uh, organizations trying to upgrade. Like, what does it look like? What are they running into? Uh, I am getting ready for conference season. So it's it's been busy. I felt a little uh, overwhelmed at times, but the outcomes, like when I get to see customers report back, like, hey, we've got everything upgraded to the latest version of Spring Boot. That gets me excited. Yep. So yep. it's been good. The 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 sense of of struggling a little bit definitely gets balanced out by the great feedback from the community. Yep. I can definitely um, sympathize with you on feeling overwhelmed. <laughs> we have Spring One coming up, which is which is really exciting, but also we have we both have a lot going on there, so it's a little bit overwhelming in that sense. And it was funny; I was having a conversation with our fearless leader Tasha earlier today about that same thing, and she just said, "Well, welcome to the other side of Spring One," <laughs> because I remember <laughs> being on the other side of Spring One and just like. Uh, like a kid in headlights, you know, just like excited to be there. And now it's like, wow, there's a lot that goes into this. But I told her, you know, I said, I'd, I'd have it no other way. I'm glad to be on this side of things. So, Absolutely. Welcome, everybody. We have some, some first timers here uh, and we have a great little community here. Uh, Simon, thanks for making everybody feel welcome for us while we're uh, getting things kicked off. We have uh, Samson from Nigeria. It also, it's great. We love to hear where you're from, uh, whatever part of the world you're from. So yeah, thanks for sharing. Are we coming up with Spring Batch UI dashboard anytime soon? That sounds like a great topic. And thank you for asking, because that's something we should definitely uh, share. That's great. Yeah, Spring Batch in general. I think we haven't talked a lot about that on this uh, show. So yeah, there'd be something we can definitely talk about. Got it. And uh, Just Me is back, and we, we're still having some issues with the uh, config server. So we'll see if we can do that. I might just say, hey, let's let's take this offline, and and we'll pair. So Just Me, here's what we're going to do. 
uh, you're going to shoot me a message on Twitter or on GitHub or something, and we're going to pair. So I'm going to, you know, we'll pop up a Zoom and, and we'll, we'll get you figured out. How does that sound? Hopefully that works. Yeah, for those uh, listening on the podcast, the question is really around IntelliJ, uh, config server, and profiles. And so I do want to just throw something out there. There is a way in IntelliJ to change the active profile. So if you go into the run configuration, there's an active profile there. And this just helps with like, hey, if I have all these different profiles like local, dev, test, prod, and I want to be able to like simulate me being in a production environment, you can set the active profile instead of doing that in a properties file. You can set it in IntelliJ. So I think there's a, a good play. You know, there might be something going on there where you're setting a different profile and you're not reading the right configuration in. So maybe that's something. But yeah, I think uh, pairing is always a great, great thing. Deshaun and I were just talking about this before we got on. Most of the time when we have issues in life, it's like, you could spend as much time as you want on it and never figure it out and somehow walk away and it fixes itself or get a second set of eyes to go, oh, you, you missed the semicolon there or something. You know, uh, It's always those, those small things that somebody else can, can see right away. We've got some good uh, questions. I like this question. Could you say two words about the relation between VMware and Spring? I am surprised every time somebody asks me that. I am surprised, but it's because I'm in the building. So right. what is the relationship between VMware and Spring? Like, what do they do? And what's the relationship between VMware and Broadcom? You know, that's another question that's going to come up too. Yeah. This is a great question because I, I get this a lot. You know, hey, I know Spring, but I don't know VMware. Um, do you want to give us like a high level what VMware is as a company, Deshaun? Yeah, well, that's, that's probably a great place to start. So VMware has actually been around even longer than Spring. VMware started with virtualization. So the ability to take hardware and virtualize it, turn some software, deploy some software and make it appear like more than one piece of hardware, more than one computer. You can slice and dice your hardware and you can get better density with your infrastructure. So it was a massive uh, improvement. It changed the way that we do computing and everything. And yeah, they've been around for a long time. They've done some really cool things. Um, and there's tons of products, too many to mention, but that's where it started about 25 years ago. And about 20 years ago, Spring started and Spring kind of went through, it got purchased. It was Spring Source, I believe first. Actually, no, it had a different name. Uh, yeah, it changed names. The organization changed names, uh, but it was just about that software framework. And there was just kind of consulting and training, uh, on top of it. But at some point, um, I believe it was EMC that purchased Spring, and then VMware purchased EMC, or something Dell. like that. But yeah, there's there's some, <laughs> Dell was involved in, in yes. the pictures, and the shells kind of moved around. But now, today, VMware, this massive software company that's doing things for companies on-prem, on the edge, and on all of the clouds, is the steward. They, they own, you know, air quotes, they own Spring. They are paying and employing the spring team, the core spring team, the, the people that are delivering the releases and all that kind of stuff. So they are the stewards of the spring community at large. VMware is at the top, you know, forking out the money to make sure that spring continues to be what it is. What did I miss? That's the relationship. VMware is the money bag. That is definitely the high level <laughs> overview. There's, 
when you say what did I miss, it's really hard to tell that story because, you know, as you said, 20 years of, of history there. Yeah. And I have something to share later in the, um, in the episode uh, that, I, that I saw online today. So we'll kind of go through some more history of spring a little bit later on. Um, hey, Dan, spring cloud, does it have a future? Absolutely. I don't even know why this question is being asked, Loveline. Um, absolutely has a future. Everything is somewhat in the cloud these days, whether it's um, your cloud or someone else's cloud. You know, we're deploying to the cloud very often these days. So, yes, uh, the Spring Cloud has a future. And as we talked about last week, Spring Cloud is actively being worked on. So we have... Uh, we had Spencer on. He was talking about um, you know being able to set up Spring Cloud Gateway with uh, Spring you know with Spring MVC now instead of using Webflux. So you can define all your router functions using MVC. So absolutely, uh, the Spring Cloud team is all over it, uh, building some really cool stuff. And yes, has a great future. Yeah, there's tons of projects in there, and all of them have a great future. Uh, yeah. So here, here's another question. IntelliJ is telling me the port is open. We're starting my config server. Uh, one thing to look for is config server by default starts on 8888, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. Check that. Um, but yeah, config server, a part of Spring Cloud. Plenty of cases for distributed things. Yeah. Yes. Tons of all cases, all, all distributed. distributed. <laughs> um, yeah, if you've heard of Kubernetes, right, the Spring Cloud uh, projects really help us do more things in our laptop. And then in production, all and everything in between, right? So the Spring Cloud projects are amazing, and I can I can say this I think safely, the Spring Cloud projects are so good. Some are even competitive to the point where our customers, our our community is replacing commercial products with what they're getting from the Spring Cloud projects, uh, and yeah, so that's exciting. That kind of says something to me about the quality of those projects. Cool. All right. A um, couple more things here. <laughs> I checked lots of YouTube videos, articles, and I'm stuck. I checked almost everything. I hope you can help. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can't get you uh, helped out there. Is there going to be a meet and greet at Spring 1? Yes, for sure. Um, so there's a couple things. I mean, we could have our own meet and greet, but... Uh, let's get to that in just a minute. Uh, we'll get we'll answer that question when we when we get into the episode and start talking about Sounds good. Spring One in general. Awesome! Yeah, this is great. I love I love it when we start off the show where people have their questions ready to go, and I I want to go back and say like there is not there is no level of question that it's out of bounds. Like bring your questions. If it's any, what anything related to spring, bring them. And if we can't answer, if it's not something that we can do right away on the show, we'll take it offline and we'll answer it. And Dan is great at creating new content and I'll do my best. If I can answer it or if it's stuck in my head, uh, later <laughs> after the show, I'll, I'll go out and create a video for it. So get your questions asked cool. at my house. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> you come over for dinner and you leave hungry. That's your fault. If you come to spring office hours, and you don't ask your questions, that's your fault. So bring your questions. I love Happy it. Out. <clears throat> I love it. Um, okay, so actually I just saw another question here and I just want to kind of address it. Yep. Um, 
Kubernetes is kind of deprecating several Spring Cloud features, for example, Gateway and Zool. Mm. So I, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, I understand where Kubernetes provides some similar functionality mm -hmm. to some of the Spring Cloud uh, projects, uh, but Gateway and Zool aren't ones that I would put in that bucket. Yes, the, uh, the Kubernetes Gateway API uh, is new and it gives some options, but I don't think it replaces Spring Cloud Gateway. And where we have Zool, um, I think you're gonna be really excited about what's coming with the new up and coming Spring Cloud Gateway web. That's Ooh. gonna have MVC under the covers and it's gonna allow us to do some web functions under the covers. Really exciting stuff that we only know a little bit. We've only gotten some teasers from Spencer and yeah, but I don't think that it deprecates it in because here's the other part. What about when you're not on Kubernetes? Like I like to run Kubernetes on my desktop, but what about when you want to have config and discovery while you're doing development? What about when you want to have a gateway that's not on Kubernetes? The Spring Cloud projects aren't just for Kubernetes, right? right. They, can, they can work with Tanzu Application Service. They work with all of the other ways that you've deployed things into production in the past. We've talked right. about it on this show. Those tools, those projects are there to make your cloud native applications better, help right. to production. Yeah, and, and as you said, Gateway solves a whole bunch of problems that don't necessarily need to be deployed on Kubernetes, right? Like Spring Cloud Gateway solves so many problems that you are going to come across in development. And yeah, whether you're deploying to Kubernetes or not, um, that it, it still solves a lot of those problems. So yeah, I saw you start that one. I figured I'd tee that one up too. <laughs> uh, Aaron's talking about upgrading from a Spring project, Spring Boot, I'm assuming, uh, 1.x, what's the best approach? And Simon jumped in and said, look, we've got this thing called Open Rewrite. There are recipes out there. So wonderful. Thank you, Simon, for jumping in and helping out. Uh, here, we got some advice. Google Open Rewrite, upgrade Spring Boot 3.1. That's, that's the recipe that I like the most. Uh, I'm not sure that that recipe goes all the way back to Spring Boot 1, um, but it's worth trying out, definitely. Yep, and then on top of that, the Spring Boot Migrator uh, uses Open Rewrite underneath the hood, so um, that's something to check out. These are great questions, and this yep. one is a great question that feels just, uh, for those of you that don't know, the Spring for GraphQL topic. Dan is an expert, and he delivers it so well, and it's by far one of the most, it, it's probably the most popular requested topic uh, from Dan from the community. So Dan, is Spring Gateway adding more features for GraphQL, like stitching multiple GraphQL microservices? It's funny, because um, Deshaun, you were right next to uh, Spencer and I as we were walking and talking about this in Detroit. Um, so yeah, uh, there's nothing um, at the moment uh, at the gateway level, but this does seem like the appropriate place for that to go, right? So what we're talking about here is federation, right? So there, there's a couple ways to basically um, combine GraphQL APIs. Um, Netflix does this really well with their service and they have some federation there. Apollo does a uh, federation. Um, but what we're talking about here is maybe I have one entry point into my API, like a gateway, and then I have several microservices that have APIs as well. 
Um, so each of those teams are responsible for their APIs, but then how can we collectively kind of pull those together? And that's what we're talking about when we talk about federation. There are different approaches to this. There's stitching where I kind of just pull those together. Federation takes a little bit of a different approach to it. It's not just stitching. Um, but the answer to that is no. There's no support for that right now. You know, uh, Spencer and I, again, walking and talking, thinking about this out loud, um, this should be possible, right? Like, there are probably ways and tools that we could do to pull this together manually, but no, there's nothing in Spring Cloud Gateway right now that does that. But stay tuned. It's on my radar. It's something I want to um, definitely get into. And as soon as we get past Spring 1, uh, it's on my radar for things to uh, take a look at. That's the bottom line, is we understand where you're coming from. Uh, GraphQL is amazing, and it's cool, and it's helping a lot of a lot of our community do better things faster. And yeah, the bottom line is it's on our radar and we're working on it. It's just not there yet. Stay tuned. Yep. Cool. Wonderful. We're, we're getting questions answered. Um, yep. We can, we can upgrade from two to three. I just don't know about one to two. So we'll have to take a look at that. Uh, that's we're in the opening, right? Here's another question. Hey, I'm trying to do multi-factor authentication with time-based one-time codes. Any articles I could find? I don't know off the top of my head, uh, but I definitely understand the question. So maybe give us a minute. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. So there's, we have some some backing uh, tools that we can use. Like there's Spring Cloud Vault that has this ability to rotate passwords and recreate things. Uh, and there's also Keycloak is another uh, open source tool that I know that we can use. But I'm not sure if they do anything about the one-time time-based uh, passwords or credentials. So that's something that's interesting. And that's a great topic. So even though I don't have the answer for you, that's something that I'm comfortable digging into as maybe an upcoming topic in a future show. So thank you. Yeah, I haven't dug into it, but I know that um, Spring Authorization Server has added other grant types. And I believe that two-factor auth is one of those. I have to dig into that as well. It's, again, one of those things on my list of things to learn. I, You and I talk about this all the time. I feel for everyone out there when it comes to, like, I need to learn this thing and this. This is literally my job to learn these things and hopefully provide some um, you know, feedback back to you guys on, on what these are. The Spring ecosystem is massive. There are so many things. So um, definitely uh, I understand, but um, maybe look into Spring Authorization Server. There might be something there. Um, look who just showed up. So I'm going to, hey, uh, fancy what happened to Spring. Uh, Hadios, I don't know how you say it. Hadios, uh, we get that answered later. Hey, we're going to check it out. We'll see you at Spring 1, which is awesome. Hey, everyone just got here from Ireland. Yes. Wait, not from Ireland. Uh, just got here. Indeed, GraphQL is amazing. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, Simon's like, yeah, it's still active. We're doing things with uh, Spring Hadios. Uh, what are you, and he's asking, like, tell us more. What are you running into? And then this, Tim Dubik is here. Ah, welcome. Nice. From the Open Rewrite team, Tim is here answering awesome. your questions. Yes, there is support migrations from Spring Boot 1.5 onwards. That is amazing. Thank you so much Great. for joining. Uh, I'm smiling ear to ear. Uh, it's wonderful <laughs> when we see other folks, you know, popular, massive personalities from the community join our, our little humble little show here i appreciate you being here thank you so much this is wonderful so cool yeah all right 
All right. I Good figured choice. we can kind of get going with the show today. We've been answering questions. Keep getting your questions in. We'll get, in get to those as they come. But we have a couple things that we want to uh, discuss really quick. So the first off, uh, we've been saying this, but just a reminder, spring one at VMware Explore. We are now into August, Deshaun. That means we are in the month of Explore. Uh, only a few weeks away. Uh, wow, that has come up really, really quick. So August 21st through the 24th in Las Vegas, there is still time to register if you have not registered yet. The other thing you could do is the schedule is now up. So what you can do is you can go in and take a look at the schedule. There's also a scheduler. So if you want to kind of figure out where you want to be on what day, you can go in and schedule those sessions. But there's more. Which is really exciting. Because there is more. some of those sessions are going to be packed. We know that they're going to be packed. So mm -hmm. some of those sessions have limited seating. Yep. So you've got to go in and you got to say, I'm going to be at this session to save your seat. So as you walk in, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you're cool. Here, we'll show you your seat. I don't, I don't know how it's going to go. But you've got to reserve your seat at that session in order to get into some of these sessions. So if you haven't registered yet, definitely do it. So just in reason. Just in as, a, as an example, on day one, I would go in and say, I'm going to be at the keynote and then I'm going to be at Dan's talk. So I would go ahead and schedule those. Those are two good talks to go ahead and check out right off the bat. Absolutely. Actually, <laughs> so Dan and I cannot reserve our sessions. That's true. So we can. In my calendar, I tried. I've got my tried. calendar and I've got where I'm going to go. And definitely I'm going to be, wait, is that, oh, did I not, I might have chosen, oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to Dan's talk and I've got my schedule all lined out because I couldn't use the schedule. We're not allowed to use Same here. So Yeah, I started going through here and looking and go, oh, Oliver's teaching a workshop on Spring Modulus. I definitely want to be there. So That's going to be, that's um, gonna be Yeah, I've just that's been going be through this kind of getting giddy. I, there's there's two parts of this, right? There's I have so much to get ready for to be there as a presenter. Aren't you but doing as like a, 10 talks? As an attendee, I'm like really excited to like see some of these talks. So um not 10, not 10. But <laughs> oh, we I did, I did, I did announce this in my newsletter this week, which you can find over at danvega.dev. Um, I, alongside the great Deshaun, will be on the main stage during the keynote. Where's where's the, like the celebration track? Yeah, we need, yeah, we need one of those soundboards. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's going to be very exciting. Being on main stage, um, I get to do a little emceeing. Um, Deshaun is going to be doing a lot of emceeing. I'm doing one little small part, but I'm very grateful for that small part because I get to talk about some really cool things that I'm excited about. So um, that's going to be so much fun. Um, and then, yeah, we I, I have three talks. We're going to be doing a lot of booth duty. We're, um, the next thing that we kind of wanted to talk about, we've been teasing this out, but we are going to have a 5K. This is not an official VMware or spring 5K. This is uh, Deshaun and I like to run when we're in places and we want to get together and anybody who's interested in running, we are going to have a 5K. We'll try and find other ways to let people know about this, but you are here, so you're going to know first. We're going to have a 5K on Tuesday, August 22nd at 7 a.m. Just all you got to do is bring your shoes, bring your shirt. I mean, if it's hot out and you don't want to wear a shirt, that, that's fine too, I guess. Um, just meet us in front of the Venetian. And uh, Deshaun is going to put together a spicy little 5K route for us. Again, 5K, it's not much. Back. It's an yeah. out and back. So 
no matter what, because we're doing an out and back, you're going to find somebody that you can run with and chat with. And Dan's going to be way up at the front. But because we're doing an out and back, we're going to go out and we'll all come back and we'll we'll return together. So if somebody's coming on the way back and you want to chat, oh, hey, there goes Dan. Like, (laughs) you can do that. So we're going to have a lot of fun. And this it's like a meet and greet plus plus. So if you're interested, and if you just want to walk, come out and join us. Come out and join us. It'll be fun. And again, 7 a.m. gives us enough time to be able to do the run, come back, shower, grab your breakfast, and hit the keynote on day two. So that's going to be fun. That's our little 5K on Tuesday. Then we have the day of activities. And then we are going to be doing a live version of the Spring Office Hours podcast on Tuesday at 3.30 p.m. This will be in the hall where all the booths are. We have uh, a broadcast wall that we can do events from uh, near the VMware booth. So if you're in that area around 3.30, come by and check us out as we do a live version of this show. Um, There's also, uh, yeah, check out the uh, scheduler. Again, there's a nice welcome reception on Monday from 5 to 7. One thing I'm really excited about is on Wednesday, uh, there is a 20th anniversary of Spring Party. Oh my gosh, at the Venetian Expo and Convention Center. No, um, this is going to be really exciting. So, wow, then, I, I just can't believe it's already here. Right after that, scroll down to the bottom of that. So oh. first we have the Spring Party, and then we have the VMware Explore Party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like back to back, that's the night to be a night. It's going to be a, a great night for an evening. Sean, I feel I feel like I'm a little bit um, aging myself here, but man, five to ten. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> um, I, I've got stats here that that say that I like to go to bed at eight. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ten o'clock. <laughs> ten o'clock in Las Vegas is going to be like one a.m. for you, right? Yes. Yes. So it uh, makes it even worse. <laughs> well, here's what I do. I'll go to the 20th anniversary party. I'll take a nap and then get up from like 8 to 10. And We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. That, Once that you're in Vegas, it's like uh, time doesn't exist. So. And naps are a great idea. It's okay to yeah. take a nap in between sessions. Yep. Yep. Totally. Cool. So that's that. Um, and then, yeah, before we get into kind of our topic for the day, I just wanted to share this link that I saw Josh Long share out today. This has to be the coolest thing I've ever seen in my whole freaking life. This is um, for the put it in the uh, chat. Yeah, let me go ahead and put this in. And I gotta do it a little bit of justice for those of our friends here on the podcast. Um, If you go over to springone.io, history dash of dash spring. What I'm looking at is this page. It looks like a kind of like a 2D uh, game, like an old like Nintendo game. Has a score in the upper right hand corner of 1800, uh, and it says the history of Spring. And there's this little Spring character with uh, um, his eyeballs are, are blinking right now. And then it says scroll or use the arrow keys to kind of move through. So I'm gonna hit. Um, I'm gonna go here and start moving our little character. And as he moves. The first thing that you kind of get to is 2002. Rod Johnson publishes the book addressing J2EE complexities. So that was all the way back in 2002. Do you remember um, the complexities of J2EE? I absolutely do. I absolutely <laughs> do. Uh, the story that I tell is 
you know, the, an organization that I worked with, they had uh, a team that was developing EJBs. They would literally, uh, they were only in the office from Monday to Thursday. Thursday, they would do their commit. And their commits from Thursday wouldn't get deployed until the next Thursday. It took four <laughs> days to do all the things, the 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 WSDL and all the stuff and the EJB and the mapping and, and the context configuring. And if you recall, J2EE had like 12 different roles that needed to, for people in order to take Java to production. Mm -hmm. and yep. Yes, and I had to do all 12 of those roles. I got to tell you, I... What I vividly remember was I learned Java in school. I started in, I started with struts. And yeah, this like for me, like building like applications for the web at that point were like, oh my God, this is like rocket science. Like I don't need what this seems very complex to get like something to show on a web browser, right? And that is why, like early on in my career, I kind of diverged and I went the web route and I went. I, I told you know the story. I, I got into something called Cold Fusion because building applications for the web was very complex in the Java world. At least it was for me. And I was like, I just want to write some HTML and like put something that talks to a database online. And you know the several things out there that kind of solved this problem, like the PHPs and the um, Cold Fusions of the world and the ASP.NETs at the time. And that that's why I got into that. And so yeah, so. Uh, Rod Johnson in 2002 publishes this book. And yeah, I think let's just go through this because we're talking about why spring is the yes, topic for today. Great. And this is going to give us some history. So um, 2003, Rod Johnson, Jurgen Haller, and Jan Karoff start the spring framework open source project. So that was 2003. What is, what is this year? 2023? <laughs> What's the math there? I think that's 20 years. Wow. wow, that's awesome. So 20 years, uh, 2004, Spring Framework 1.0 is released. And for those of you at home, you really have to get home. Or for those of you on the podcast, if you're like driving, don't look it up right now. I don't want you to get in a car wreck. Um, I want you to, when you get home, look up this website. Um, I'm trying to describe, but our little spring friend is like running around, running along in this like Mario, Zelda looking world. And he's just very happy and blinking his eyes. It's great. Um, 2008 Spring Security 2.0 is released, renaming it from, I don't even remember how to pronounce that. Um, do you know how to pronounce that? A CG. A CG. That's right. what, that's what I called it. Yep. A CG. Um, oh, now our friend's going down a little Mario pipe. <clears throat> 2011 Spring Data takes on no SQL workloads with Spring Data MongoDB, Spring Data Redis, Spring Data Neo4j, and Spring Data Gemfire. I remember that. Can I jump? I, I remember jump. that. It, it jumps automatically for you. Oh, I got a coin. 2014, oh man, this is like yesterday. I do remember this. Spring Boot 1.0 is released, introducing rapid application development. Oh, do you remember the days of Spring without Spring Boot? I try not to. <laughs> uh, there, there's some things that have, um, I, I use the word scarred me um, from those times, but it was still way better way than better. what I was doing when I was doing the other things, right? Exactly. Uh, the the EJB um, configuration was told by all the things. And yeah, uh, Spring definitely improved my life. Even, even when it was XML and configure all the things, 
Yeah. Still way better than the alternative. Yep. Okay. 2014 Spring Batch 3.0 is released, switching to Spring Boot's dynamic bootstrapping capabilities over archetypes. I want to jump on that. I can't jump on that. 2014 Spring Integration 4.0 enables integration flows to be configured without XML. And that was that was magical. That was a good the time. The world time. is better without XML, unless you ask Steve Ballmer, who thought it was the next greatest thing ever. All right, but so wait, we're going more. up. Oh, oh, jump. Uh, 2015 Spring Cloud 1.0 is released, providing tools to quickly build software for distributed systems. 2016 Spring Cloud Task is introduced, supporting short-lived microservices. Oh, come on, jump. You got it. 2016 Spring Cloud Stream 1.0 is released, enabling event-driven microservices. We have 2016 Spring Cloud Dataflow 1.0 is released, providing an orchestration service for data microservices. Now our friend is going down the tube again, and oh, there we go. Um, 2016 Spring Cloud Dataflow for Kubernetes. 2018 Spring Cloud Skipper. I don't even know what Spring Cloud Skipper is. Um, discovery and lifecycle management on multiple Spring cloud, cloud platforms. Skipper. Wasn't oh, that I'm on a, uh, I'm on a boat now? Spinnaker around Spinnaker. Wait, what was Spring? Cloud oh, maybe. Oh. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Lightweight package manager that helps manage lifecycle Spring Boot applications on multiple platforms. You know what? I need to go back and look at that. I cannot wait to come back to this website and take some screenshots and share them on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> or whatever we're calling Twitter these days. Yes. Uh, 2021 Spring Cloud Gateway for Kubernetes automates the deployment of an API gateway service by applying YAML configuration objects to a Kubernetes cluster. Oh man, we're getting close. 2022 Spring Boot 3 and Spring Framework 6 enable natively compiled applications to run more efficiently in environments like Kubernetes via CrawlVM. Oh my gosh. For those of you on the podcast, our little hero has now picked up a sword. And he's off and running with the sword. Hope I'm gonna is he gonna save a princess? Mm. Oh, we're like this is like very final boss vibes that I'm getting right now. Who's the final boss? Oh man, thank you, Spring. Congratulations on 20 years of innovation. Celebrate with us at Spring One. Push button B to continue your quest. All right, let's go. And button B's gotta take you to the registration. I did not. I thought I did. Oh, there we go. And yes, Perfect. that takes you over to spring1.io and says, hey, you can go ahead and register here. Yeah. I love that. Um, kudos to whoever put this together. I'm going to find out who put this together and uh, give them some more recognition because this is just awesome. That's got to be a high score, right? Yeah, definitely. It's got to be a high score. Um, but what that did remind me, we had a question earlier around... Spring Batch UI dashboard. Um, and I just want to clarify, I think that that's Spring Cloud Dataflow UI. That's the, we've got a package around Spring Cloud Dataflow UI. Uh, and I, I think, I hope that's what you're talking about. But yeah. Cool. So this is great. Uh, we got, um, yeah, we got good stuff. There's, there's lots of things happening. Uh, somebody said, hey, I pressed the space bar and finished the game. <laughs> uh, Lewis says, Dan, 
I saw your video on using the Spring HTTP client interface for API calls. I tried sending a multi-part file to a service using the post exchange been battling a no writer for multi-part error for four weeks now. Literally just found out today that support for multi-part was added to the HTTP client interface in Spring Boot 3.2.x. Can't wait for, <laughs> you know what? You don't have to wait. Lewis, you don't have to wait yeah. for Spring Boot 3.0. You can go and use, I, I believe it's, we got an There's a milestone. Already. There's a milestone yeah. one up there. So go yeah, give it, it a try. Spin, see how it works. Give us feedback. Give the team feedback. <laughs> we want to know if it's working for you. Go take it for a spin now. Don't wait for the GA. It's funny, as, as you were reading that question, I was like, man, I swear I've heard that that was being worked on somewhere. So thank you, Lewis. Thanks, Dan. I had to maintain those Struts applications in 2018. Uh, I've got a friend that hopefully they weren't mine for Struts. So yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I was Struts in 2002. So very different. Yes, yes. Uh, love this animation. Pretty awesome. I played it slowly. Now you mentioned struts. I didn't work with that. Man, those XMLs. Absolutely. <laughs> and spring 2.5.6 was such a huge milestone. Why 2.5.6? What came in 2.5.6? Yeah, I remember so going over like 2.4. 2.4 was a big one too. But there's oh, been many, boot many milestones yeah. along the way that yep. were definitely like deserving of more fanfare than a minor release update. There's been mm -hmm. many of those over the 20 years that we've been doing this. Yep. <laughs> the princess is in another castle. <laughs> uh, yeah, just don't forget to add the mouse repository. Use it. Oh, that was the start of annotations. Got it. Gotcha. Right Good stuff. See, we got a great community here. Thanks again yes. for being here with us. So um, we're kind of talking about it already, but the topic at hand today is why Spring Boot, maybe why Spring in general? We just looked at like a history of Spring. Um, so I know that you've been involved in a lot of conversations lately, Deshaun, on, on this very topic. Yeah. Uh, do you want to kind of kick us off on, on, on what's going on? So here's, here's I think, what's the, uh, the driver here, the catalyst is... Spring Framework 6 and Spring Boot 3. All the things that we've got now that we didn't have before, all the value that you can get out of, now you can upgrade to, uh, we're rebasing to Java 17. Spring or Java 21 is right around the corner. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just kind of a, yeah, a perfect storm of there's just so much value to be gained that a lot of our community is making the change. They see, oh, well, I can do all these cool things with Spring Boot. Uh, we're using Spring over here, but we haven't really jumped into Spring Boot. Why? Why should I use Spring Boot? Well, one, we've got these great questions already just in what we had in the show. Like the questions that we're asking aren't, how do I uh, serve up a web page using Java servlets? No, like there's a bunch of really kind of low level things that Spring Boot takes care of, Spring Cloud mm -hmm. takes care of. So we're just talking about kind of projects and how these projects combine to deliver enterprise-grade applications. So that's a great reason, making it a little bit easier. But then it, it feels like it wasn't that long ago where I was deploying a bunch of war files to Tomcats or to other middleware. And all of the problems that I ran into, right? How, if, if you're going to deliver five different applications, five different war files, to Tomcat, um, do you deliver it to one Tomcat? Do you deliver one per Tomcat so that you can set some different configurations? What do you do? Like, right, there's so many more decisions to make. Um, I spoke with an organization 
I don't know if it was yesterday or the week before, uh, where they were already in this model of it's really just one application per external Tomcat anyways. So why have the external Tomcat? So mm -hmm. they're asking like, hey, like what would we miss if we went, and, and I got to see configurations, what would we miss if we went from this external Tomcat that somebody else is managing to an embedded Tomcat? So that when you deliver that jar file or that container, everything's just there. Everything's mm -hmm. configured specifically for that app. What would you miss? And there's not a whole lot. So this is another reason like Spring Boot, and it's more than just the embedded Tomcat. It's the configuration, the auto configuration. When you're plugging these dependencies in, you get a bunch of sane defaults out of the box. And that's amazing, right? We've mm -hmm. all like, oh, hey, how do I get this? And, and the getting started, yeah, here's a, a chunk of configurations that you need to plug in in order to get something to work, in order to get that first hello world. What we get to do, uh, not just we've been doing this for now 10 years with Spring Boot, is we just add a dependency and we get some sane defaults. If we add a, uh, yeah, a config server, we get some sane defaults. We know there's defaults and the rest of the, the Spring ecosystem knows about those defaults. So we can literally go from zero to production ready pretty quickly. So that's another thing. But then again, there's just this pain, all these things that I've got, all this baggage that I've, I'm bringing to the therapy session. Again, thank you. <laughs> the dependency management, right? Like, oh, which version of this am I gonna use? Which version of that? Oh, and this version isn't compatible with that version and I can't use these. Two. What's the magic combination that's gonna make these things that I need work? Spring Boot does that for me. Right? There's so much value in just being able to update a POM, add some dependencies without versions, and get the magic combination that's guaranteed to work because that's the promise. That's the promise that the Spring Team gives to us is that when you're adding these dependencies, you're adding these Spring projects together, the dependency tree, you're going to get the right versions and those versions are going to be guaranteed. Everything in that release train is going to be guaranteed to work together. Which is awesome. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I have a concrete example, but I do, I do remember. Like, let's just go back maybe ten years. So around the time Spring Boot came out, 2013, 2014, I vividly remember um, being a Java developer and Spring. I did some Grails, some Groovy, and just being in the Java ecosystem, even ten years ago. I remember like it being not a like very developer friendly cycle, right? Like I remember like the IDs weren't as good, the language wasn't as good, frameworks maybe not as good. And it's like, hey, I just need to like stand up this web app. And like you had to go through a bunch of hoops to get that off the ground. Yep. And these days, like I put these demos together for conferences, for presentation talks. And I'm just like amazed at, and, and again, this is not me being a company man shilling, you know, just like marketing terms at you. But like, it, it just really is so easy to get projects up and running. Go to start.spring.io, pick your dependencies, pull it into an IDE, and things just kind of like work for me. I mean, it, it's, I, I just, I take it for granted sometimes just how easy apps are to get up and running. I'm going to, I'm going to, show my screen here um, because some of the things that we've been talking about kind of resonate. I went and looked at the um, Spring Boot 3.1.2 release that came out a week or two ago, uh, mm -hmm. recently. Uh, so let me add this and let's just take a look. Extra camera, 
And let's take a look, like what does that mean? What came out just by upgrading? Did it, did it add, where's my screen? Uh, I tried, um, let's do this. Uh, nope, that's not it. Hold on. I want to be able to show this screen. Oh, maybe I need to do it a different way. Okay. Uh, I might not be able to do that the way that I expected. Uh, um, Let me try it for you. Yeah, I want to show that get there. That'll do. All right, so, uh, so switch those around. There's the release. Uh, we already talked about Spring Hadios. It's right there. Like, it is being maintained. It is the new version of Spring Hadios, which we had a question earlier. It's there. It's in this new release. All you've got to do is upgrade your Palm in order to get it. Plus, we talked about, uh, there's another one, Spring Integration we just saw, Spring GraphQL. Like, all I've got to do is upgrade my parent Palm, and I get the versions of those other projects. I get them included, and they're guaranteed to be compatible. So just that, that's one of those things that I am just, I'm a massive fan of, massive fan. And, and there's so much more. So this release is just upgrading versions. Those projects are being released independently, right? There are different teams releasing those projects independently. And yes, if your bug was fixed, you could absolutely grab that project and, and get the latest version and get it to production early. And then Later on, you're going to swap it out and you're going to follow the release train the rest of the way. You don't have to stick on that, that one-off. But again, there's options. You've got all the flexibility in the world. You don't have to just wait for the release train. You can do it separately as well. So yeah, this dependency management, the dependency goo uh, has definitely been a whole lot easier now that Spring's around. And the question that I've got, one serious question I've got is, what are the alternatives? Like, what are, what are we doing if we're not using Spring Boot. I remember my journey. I was looking at other projects. Uh, Drop Wizard was one um, where I'm trying to go and yeah, get things to production. And I wanted to have some visibility. I want to have some consistency in how I was delivering. But I, I made up my mind and I think Drop Wizard's still around. Uh, actually, we actually have uh, one of our brand customers who is migrating away from Drop Wizard towards Spring Boot. So we're wishing them the best of luck. And yeah, but what are the other options? What are other options that are, are there's none that are better. Uh, what are the other options that people are using? I don't know. So this is a time for me to kind of ask the question, why, why am I here? Why do I like Spring Boot so much? And is there some other alternatives that I should be considering? I've got my opinions, what do you think? Is there anything yeah, and that I think compares? <laughs> I think there's always a, a right tool for the right job type of thing. Um, you know, if, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going to get into specific examples, but yeah, there's always a right tool for the right job. Um, but for the things that obviously that we're talking to our customers every day about, um, Java, Spring, just seem to, to kind of fit into all of those problems and solutions it has, provides a solution for those problems. I think one of the biggest things too is as many solutions that come out, at least from the Java ecosystem standpoint, it's really hard to find another language that has the community, the number of developers, the longevity that the Java ecosystem has. And I mean, that really holds a lot of weight. It is not easy to train developers on the hottest new thing out there. Um, if it's not going to be around for a while. And obviously Java has been 
told that it was going to die at least 10 times over the last 25 years or so, but uh, here we are and still standing at least 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the other things, there are, there are tons of other Java frameworks out there. And one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of those other Java frameworks are doing like one little thing a little bit different that might be easier for this use case in this pattern, but they are still compatible and they're still using and leveraging the Spring ecosystem for a lot of their functionality, a lot of their stuff. So there's always this like, oh, here's how you bring in this Spring project. Here's how you bring in this Spring project. Uh, so I've definitely seen that and I don't really, yeah, I feel, I feel really comfortable with the decisions that I've made and the things I'm taking to production right now. You know, Deshaun and I are going to keep talking about why Spring, some <laughs> of the things that we really enjoy about Spring and the community. We'd also love to hear from you. Why are you a Spring developer? What is it about Spring, Java, Kotlin, you know, Groovy? What is it about this community? What is it about this project? What do you enjoy about being a Spring developer? Let us know. Whether it's here on the live stream, if you're listening later on the podcast, feel free to reach out to us at Deshaun on, I guess, the thing formerly known as Twitter, at the real Dan Vega on x.com, whatever it is. Um, please go ahead and reach out to us. Let us know. Uh, send us an email. What, what do you enjoy about Twitter? These are, you know, we, again, we love hearing from you guys. We love hearing uh, because we, we talk to, to developers and customers, but we want to hear from you. We want to hear why you enjoy it. Uh, so that we can spread the good word about what what you are enjoying about being a Spring developer. Um, <clears throat> cool. I have a serious question. Uh, yeah. In, I believe, I don't know what version, I apologize, uh, but recently Java added like an HTTP server. Yep. That was 20 or 19? Was it 20? I, yeah. I was going to say 20. Maybe 19. Um, but that idea, and I wonder what's the, what's the value prop? Is there a difference there? Maybe that's something I should be investigating instead of doing like an embedded Tomcat or an embedded, uh, a Netty or something like maybe when do I get the option to pull in the, the JVMs or the JDKs, uh, HTTP server. That's something that's kind of been on my head and I honestly, I haven't explored it, but I think now's the time. It's not really a full, I could be wrong about this because I haven't done a ton with it, but at least from what I remember and what I've heard, um, at least in some of the examples that I've seen, I, I believe it's it's pretty limited by def, by, re, by choice, right? Like it's not going to be a full-blown HTTP server, but it can handle, you know, get requests, post requests, whatever it wants to do. If you just need something to um, to, to kind of spin up and, and use. <sighs> But um, um, Kadar, thank you for this response. He says that HTTP server is for static files, as far as I know. Uh, I assumed that that HTTP server allowed me to serve do servlet. Uh, it, it's really meant for like local development. It. Just hey, I need to like you know, okay, proof of well, concept good. type yeah. of things. At least uh, at least that's what I uh, rem at least that's what I've yeah, heard. These so. are the the community is answering and. Yeah, that seems to be the uh, consensus. So great. So fantastic. But still, great little tool. Um, yeah. Check it out. Um, yeah. While we're talking about this, we do have some questions I started here that I figured we can get to real quick. Yeah. Um, 
Hello. When do you not recommend Spring over GraalVM, especially with microservices and cloud native? Um, oh, man, I have a really, really good slide on this. Let me go ahead and pull this up. I put together a slide based on... Um, so there was like an original graphic uh, by the by the AOT team who put the who did a lot of work on this, and I really just kind of retrofitted it for kind of like a presentation that I was doing. While he's um, finding that, I'm going to share my opinion. It's worth validating your assumptions. So don't go in saying, "Oh, well, this is this kind of workload," and it, you know, Dan said it's going to be better on on AOT, mm -hmm. or it's not going to be better. On validate it yourself, and I'm going to go one step further. For your local development, I am an, I'm a big fan and I haven't found a reason not to do it this way. Deliver AOT native images and containers to your developers. They are smaller containers. They're gonna start up fast, which allows your developers to do native images, serverless, scale to zero types of uh, behavior we've talked about on the show before. Um, but yeah, it's worth investigating every single workload that you take to production and doing your own analysis on whether, hey, yes or no. But Dan, All right, so yeah, I put this slide together um, in a, a talk that I've been doing lately on Spring Boot 3, and basically it's a use case for native images. So we have kind of three buckets that I'll put this into. Uh, one, where the JVM is likely better, two, where you should really assess, and three, here's a recommended approach. So I'll start with the recommended approach. Like, when is it a good idea to build a native image? So the the idea behind native images too is that we're we're ultimately creating something that's smaller. It's going to use less resources when it comes to like memory and CPU. So if you're on a box or something that has very few resources, hey, this is a great. Uh, use case for that because it's going to use less resources. Um, the biggest one that you'll hear of is, you know, definitely in the cloud, scale to zero, function as a service. So if you have a service that just needs to start up, take some requests, and then go away, and it doesn't take a lot of traffic, that is a great use case um, for something like a native image. One thing that Deshaun and I have been doing a lot this year is using uh, Spring Shell to build out CLI applications. So, hey, I need to build this tool for my local machine that, you know, instead of using another programming language, I can use Java in Spring, the things that I'm used to. I can build out these CLI tools and then go ahead and, and create a native image. So now it runs natively on like my Mac OS machine and it starts up real fast and uses less memory. Again, those are really great scenarios for when you should use it. But again, even in that recommended bucket, as Deshaun said, you would want to uh, go ahead and assess this yourself. In the assess bucket, um, I have things like microservices, container image distribution, Kubernetes, back office. These are things you're going to want to test out and see if that makes sense for you and your organization. Where you may not want to build a native image is where the JVM is likely better. Because again, we are not, we didn't come up with this idea that like, hey, we need to build native images for everything because the JVM is no good. And that's not the case. The JVM is really good at certain workloads. It knows how to optimize in those scenarios. So if you are getting high traffic to your uh, application, you're getting uh, large throughput, 
the JVM is likely better. If you have huge amounts of copious of memory and CPU, and you're just like, I love to burn money and just throw more memory at it, great. Um, that, that is a good scenario. If you're doing frequent deployments, you have a huge monolithic application, uh, and so on. So those are those are kind of the buckets that I put them in. Deshaun, do you think I'm kind of missing anything there? Or well, do you I'm like curious. That? You know, Mohammed says that, yeah, he's tried it, and he did some benchmarks, but still feel it's some there's some showstoppers especially in production. So if you've already done your assessment and your workloads aren't working, then that's okay. Move on. Don't, don't spend too much time trying to make a native image outperform what you're doing on the JVM. I think that's kind of the, the bottom line is some use cases are good and some are not. Do your own assessment if you've got questions. But now I'm curious. I want to hear like what kind of showstoppers you ran into because that's what this is all about. If you're running into problems, maybe we can help. <clears throat> cool. I had another question along these same lines uh, from Dimitri. Dan, do you have a video on AWS Lambda and Spring Boot AOT Crawl VM? I don't. And the reason I don't in this particular scenario is I, I believe I tried it and I had an issue, but this was before Spring Boot 3.0 came out. Um, so we yep. could probably get that working now. Um, but the reason I haven't is AWS Lambda has a service called Snapstart which is similar to uh, Crack, which is the coordinated restore at checkpoint. But basically what it does is it takes a snap of your entire runtime, including the JVM, and it loads that into memory. And then instead of having to like start up from, you know, from, uh, from a cold start scenario, start up an entire runtime environment, it can restore from that, that checkpoint. And Lambda uh, Snapstart, if you look through their documentation, they offer up to almost 10 times improvement on their Lambda functions. So if you're using Java and you're right, if you're using uh, Java or if you're using Java and Spring and you're deploying to AWS Lambda, check out Snapstart. It's really easy to get going. Uh, but as soon as I have some time, I will see if I can get that working and see if there's a huge difference. Um, I don't know. I'm just talking out loud here at this point, Deshaun, but yeah. I don't believe you're going to get a huge gain between something like, you know, Snapstart and native image, right? Like it depends. Obviously, both of those compared to just a cold start JVM, huge leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. I don't know that those two are going to get a huge, but yeah, it depends. Yep. Um, and I I was looking, I'm, I'm positive that I you know, did I had a, a repository somewhere uh, taking the native image. Again, I did it with the Spring Native, so pre-Spring Boot 3.0 release, um, where I did take it to AWS Lambda, but I cannot find it at the moment. But I'm happy to circle back. Like, if that's something you're interested in and in taking a look at, Dimitri, we want to help. And if you're going to Spring 1, there's going to be a lot of topics, a lot of content around what we can do with AOT and what we can do with things like coordinating restore checkpoint. Cool. Um, I got another one here. What I enjoy about being a Spring developer is, among many, the way things get easily configured and set up and the power of annotations. Also, it's evolution where it keeps improving. Could not agree more. Yep. I think um, I was going to mention this earlier for me, but like why Spring? And it really, it comes back to 
it takes, again, we know it's convention over configuration, but I can still go ahead and configure things. But for me, it takes away the details of building these types of application, takes those away, abstracts those away, does that for me. I can always change things later. And really lets me focus on building what I'm trying to build instead of all the low-level plumbing and infrastructure. Like, I don't want to focus on that. I'm sure there are some people who do, but like, I like to I like to build things that people use, and and so I don't want all that stuff to get in the way of doing that. So, yeah, that that for me is right along the same lines of of why I love Spring. Um. Another comment here, build time didn't make me happy. Tried it on both Linux and Mac. And so yeah, I was going to say, it's a trade-off, right? Um, yeah. There's a trade-off when it comes to AOT, when it comes to building native images. But I don't know. For me, that isn't a holdup because I'm not doing that all the time. That is like the end result. I'm still writing my application the same way, still running it the same way. I'm still testing it the same way. The native image compilation is the target runtime. It's the final result. I'm not doing that often. So and I'm to me, that isn't way. a big holdup. I got it from Alina. I build it once. I deploy it way more. Right? <laughs> so, I'm again, I'm, I'm really leaning into this building native images for your developers, for the development team, so they can run on Kubernetes or whatever. They can run it locally and scale to zero. So that, hey, when I want to hit... Muhammad's service, boop, it comes up in 0 0.85, 0 0.085 uh, seconds, then I can do it. And when I'm not using it, it scales down. That's what I think is going to be the future of development. And I'm, I'm all in on it. That's that's the way I'm operating. And you'll see that. But that trade-off, it's not a part of your inner loop cycle. Don't do AOT processing during your inner loop cycle. That's That's a bad thing. You're doing your development. We got our dev tools so you can hot deploy, auto redeploy as you're making changes in your IDE. That's the way to go for your inner loop development. That cycle while I'm figuring things out. Let your native images, your AOT processing, let that be handled by the pipelines. We're too busy and I don't have the attention span to wait for that minute and 30 seconds for something to do uh, the AOT processing either. So make that a part of your pipelines. We've got tons of examples. If you'd like some help, happy to help. Uh, but yeah, it's totally a valid trade-off, especially if you've got a, a team of developers that you want to uh, yeah, enable to do some really cool things. Another good question here. Hey, guys, can someone help me with any resources where I can learn full-on microservice from app development to deploying to Kubernetes for Spring application? So I'm going to let you handle this in just a second, Deshaun. I just want to talk about this, though, because we... I, we often get questions about just learning uh, about Spring in general. What are some resources on this? I really think we should put together a show on this topic, resources for learning Spring in general. Maybe we can dive into some of the more niche things like uh, microservices and Kubernetes and such. But I think we should get this on the schedule for a show that we can do because uh, I think that's very relevant to everyone. Um, Simon mentioned in the um, comments, which I would have done as well, Spring Academy is a great resource in general for learning Spring. Um, I don't know if there's too much microservice and Kubernetes stuff there. But, Deshaun, if I was interested in building microservices, deploying to Kubernetes, where is a good place to start? Where can, where can I look at first? I think the Tanzu Developer Center has a lot of great options. 
They, you know, from putting Kubernetes on your laptop to deploying Spring Boot. Uh, there's tons of options there. So that's probably where I would start. But as far as like the app development, I might combine Spring.academy and the Tanzu Developer Center. Those are probably my, my two main resources. Yeah, and if you're heading to Spring 1, uh, Craig Walls is doing a talk on Kubernetes in Spring. Again, I mentioned this before. One of those talks that have just kind of stuck with me on like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Now I, I kind of understand it. Uh, so go ahead and check out that talk if you're going to be at Spring 1. Um, I'm So I'm keeping, everybody keep me honest, of uh, some upcoming show ideas. Uh, we talked about Spring Boot, uh, AOT on AWS Lambda, uh, the resources for learning Spring, mm -hmm. uh, Spring Cloud Dataflow UI. Uh, there were some other things that we commented on that maybe we ought to do something. Um, so I think this is a good time because we're getting we are getting close to, to wrapping up, but I, I think we can kind of talk about this. We do have plans for the next like four episodes. So next week I am out. I am on vacation next week. Deshaun will be either solo or with a special guest. Um, so he will go ahead and set the topic for next week. Then after that, as soon as I get home, Deshaun is going to the same place I just was in Florida for his vacation. We did not plan this. Obviously, we would have planned it. I'm a follower. I wanted to be there at the same time, and I just couldn't if, make it happen. If we would have planned it, uh, we would definitely be there at the same time. So Deshaun leaves for vacation. So that next week, I will either be solo or with a special guest in a nice topic. And then three weeks from today, we are going to be in Vegas live. Um, so yeah, um, that's going to be interesting. So uh, yeah, please get us topics that you're interested in seeing on the show and we'd happy to be happy to do this. I was just going to bring this comment up because I've heard this a number of times. It's not the first time I've heard this. Maybe create a video on how to use Spring documentation. And I think, um, yeah, I think that could be rolled into like the resources uh, yes. um, discussion as well because, yep. yeah, hey, one of the main resources for learning Spring is the documentation. but. Where do I find all this stuff? How do I navigate it? Uh, that's definitely a great um, topic to go into. Yeah, Not the first Simon time I've heard that. Has been talking a lot about like it's a it's a great way to contribute. If you're looking to be a contributor, you want to help out the Spring ecosystem. The documentation, the things that we're doing around the documentation, like we're moving mm -hmm. all of these projects documentation into a project called Antora. And yep. There's tons of opportunity to help out there. But yes, that's a great show. Resources for learning Spring and like. Like maybe we go in and just answer a few questions that people might have. Great yep. idea. Awesome. Oh, look at this. And just like right on time. Hi guys. Been seeing a lot of HTMX and Timely floating around. Anything around that? Well, yeah. Our good friend Thomas. Thomas has a, a whole project that he's been doing around HTMX or HTMX and Timeleaf. So maybe we have Thomas come back. I don't have the link to his project. Uh, I'll see if I can catch it real quick. Um, but yeah. It's a thing. And actually on Josh, Josh Long's podcast, the beautiful podcast, he had Dave Sire on last week. Uh, I think it was the last episode uh, where he, they were talking about like different things you can do, different ways of delivering a UI with Spring Boot. So check out that episode and you will definitely hear about HTMX and Timeleaf there. Cool. Um, <clears throat> all right. I have one more comment in here. I love Spring because this, 
that the scale that this framework is used, not only enterprise, but also in a lot of hobby projects to learn new integrations because it really helps me learn new stuff. Yes. Oh, and I completely agree. And I think, you know, that is one of the things like when people tell me they want to learn Spring, where to start? I said, it's kind of a loaded question because Spring can do so many things. You can build a hobby project. You can work for a Fortune 50 company and use this at scale. So, and everything in between. So, yeah, agree. I love deploying Spring to Raspberry Pis. So <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, we, we can have this conversation. We can talk Kubernetes on Raspberry Pis. We can connect all the dots with a $45 single board computer like the Raspberry Pi. Cool. While you're jotting down some notes, not to like take everybody's time up here, but I think, you know, maybe after Spring 1, having Craig on and talking about Spring on Kubernetes, that would be a good show as well because I believe there's a lot of our audience out there that may hear the word Kubernetes and go, oh, I, that's scary. I'm going to run away. That's somebody else's responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's uh, there's a great intersection between Spring and Kubernetes, and uh, that'd be a good, sit good topic. I'm going to on Ryan Baxter's yeah. uh, workshop at Spring One at VMware nice. Explorer, yep. uh, all about running Spring on Kubernetes. I'm definitely awesome. going to be a part of that. That's going to be fun. If I get a seat. Like, I, <laughs> if I get a seat. Cool. All right. Well, I think... That is all we have for today. We're running a little bit long. Again, Deshaun will be here next it. week. I will be here in two weeks, and then we will both be together live in Las Vegas for Spring One. Really looking forward to seeing a lot of you there. Uh, we're going to do uh, a run. We're going to do a live show. We're going to do all the learning. We're going to do the hallway tracks, pool park. I don't know what's going on in Vegas. Whatever is going on in Vegas, we're, we'll find a way to uh, get together with you guys. So uh, thanks again. If you're interested in learning more about the show, head over to springofficehours.io. You can take a look at the landing page there that has all the archives of the previous episodes, uh, as well as go ahead and ask your questions. So if you aren't able to join us on a live stream and you want to ask some questions, we have a little button there to go ahead and ask a question. Uh, with that, uh, I will be on vacation. Deshaun is going to give you all the knowledge next week. I will see you in two weeks, and we are looking forward to spring one. Thanks, everyone, and Thank you so much. see you in the next one.